All right, Creatures of the Night, Alex Dorio here, and I want to welcome you to something that we're going to call Back from the Dead here on the Talking Taker podcast and explain to you what this is. So since, you know, we are only putting out episodes once a month now these days that we've completed the entire chronological career of The Undertaker, and since we also have such a vast archive of episodes, over 200 episodes in our back catalog, I thought it'd be fun to bring some of these older episodes, resurrect them, bring them back from the dead, and put them back here into your podcast feed, uh, because I think that they're evergreen content, uh, they're great to listen back to. And especially if we're looking back at a match that we've already covered in the past, you know, I thought it'd be great to put the original episode back there in your podcast feed so it's easy for you to find so you can go back and listen to our original coverage of the match, hear all the backstory to the match that uh, we may not get in our revisiting episode. And that's exactly what's happening here. So October 1st, we're going to be putting out our October episode of Talking Taker, and this one is going to be a look back at one of our all-time favorite matches, a match that Travis and I both unanimously voted as the number one match of the Undertaker's Biker Taker era. It's No Mercy 2002, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar inside Hell in a Cell in maybe the bloodiest, most violent match of the Undertaker's career. Uh, Certainly uh, it's up there for one of his best Hell in a Cell matches and one of the greatest Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Taker's been had so many awesome Hell in a Cell matches and this one is you know, one of the most unique uh, out of all those matches. Uh, It's a match that we love and uh, we are excited to look back on. And we're going to do a watch-along style. So on uh, October 1st episode, we are going to cue the match up, watch along, do an alternate commentary of it. Of course, we'll talk about some of the backstory behind it as well. But wanted to bring the original episode, like I said, back from the dead to put it out into your podcast feed so you can go back and hear it. Because honestly, I was listening back to it today and I've forgotten how much of this uh, affair that The Undertaker is having or, or not having, alleged to be having, uh, Uh, with this girl that Paul Heyman has brought in. Uh, There's some great stuff with Matt Hardy that Undertaker and Brock Lesnar are getting involved in. Just some great content from Paul Heyman as well uh, that we get to all talk about and discuss. So uh, you you can hear us analyze the match move for move here uh, with our first watching of it and then come back on October 1st for our watch-along commentary of the whole experience itself uh, and see if we think it still holds up as the best match of The Undertaker's Biker Taker era. So, check it out, enjoy it, come back again on October 1st for a brand new Talking Taker revisiting No Mercy 2002 Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Here's the original episode covering it. Take her easy. Alright, Creatures of the Night, welcome to episode 92 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, by my wrestling buddy, the Hellraiser himself, Mr. Travis White. Travis, are you ready to head down the highway to hell to Hell in a Cell, No Mercy, 2002? It's going to be a barn burner, a bloodbath. 
What, uh, the cell in the hell and the what did JR say that one? <laughs> the hell, the, the match in the cell, and I don't know. Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. The Hellraiser Pinhead himself right here. Member of the RTC. Uh, I think Steve Richards has a dark match on this uh, this mm. pay per view. So anyway, you would, you would know. I would know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, man, I'm ready to go. This is an I think uh, un underrated Hell in the Cell, man. Like watching it back. Had a blast. I can't wait to talk about it. We got to talk about some cool stuff in this build-up, and some not cool stuff again. In this again, build up. tale <laughs> of two storylines here, and we'll get into that. This jam-packed episode here, and parental advisory on this episode. Mm. It's gonna get messy. It's gonna get messy. Yeah, this is our first pay-per-view with a TVMA warning on it, so. and well earned. Oh yeah, it's gruesome. Oh yeah. And not for the HLA that was last month or anything like that. <laughs> or the, like, uh, commitment ceremony or anything. And not, not for anything like oh, that. No, no, People no. dressing in drag for something else. Way more manly and macho. <laughs> well, speaking of which, man, why don't you get us started here uh, as we take that time-traveling motorcycle all the way back to September of 2002 to the night after... Unforgiven, where we left off with Undertaker and Brock Lesnar in a disputed finish after their undisputed championship match ends in a no contest with Brock Lesnar retaining the title since Undertaker could not beat him, but ending up on the losing end as he goes flying through the set of Unforgiven. And man, you would think that this episode of SmackDown, picking up right after this pay per view, would begin with like a recap video of that intense yeah. <laughs> world wrestling entertainment championship match and this big controversial finish but uh my friend it does not begin with that what does it begin with oh it begins with a video recap of that hla segment with bischoff and stephanie <sighs> and the quote-unquote world's largest lesbo <laughs> aka okay. rikishi in drag <laughs> okay talk about Tell two cities. <laughs> Bischoff's surprise that night, which apparently our boy Randy Turco was at that episode. That's incredible. We put it on. Yeah, how did. He has yeah, the anyway, greatest lineup of events we gotta hear he's from ever Randy. been at. I know, he does. Okay, so put that surprise and the makeup and the prosthetic job they did for him. And then when Rikishi walked out, Unforgiven, it was a dead ringer for this Rikishi and drag. <laughs> it was not even an, like. There was no no contest as to what that was. So yeah, this episode SmackDown one sixty two, September twenty six oh two opens up with that instead of no you know, mention like, of the title. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. But when the show gets started, we do see that we're going to get Taker versus Matt Hardy tonight for probably what's this the third or fourth time in in that many weeks. It's the hottest rivalry going, baby. It is, man. It is. Now you know people talk about nowadays in twenty nineteen with the brand split, we get the same matches over and over again. I didn't realize how prominent it was back then. A lot of these guys are going to be the same matches over and over again. But for some reason, I didn't care back then because the matches were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, but there was also storylines back then to go along with the matches. So exactly. it makes sense. Something progresses each time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of progressing, uh, Funaki has really progressed into SmackDown's number one announcer for sure here. And he's going to ask the hard-hitting questions to Brock Lesnar. He's knocking on his door backstage. And uh, Brock comes out and messes up his hair like he's his little brother, you know, and it's like, oh, hey, you little buddy. And um, <laughs> Funaki's like, is it true that you will not give The Undertaker a rematch for the WWE Championship? And uh, Brock says, that's a question everybody wants to know since Sunday. And I'm going to answer that question in the ring tonight. So Funaki is just on 
like Cloud Nine. To, he's going to get the scoop. He's going to be out yeah. in the ring. Investigative journalist Funaki. <laughs> yeah, he's putting Michael Cole to shame. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So he's putting um, Mark Lloyd burying him six feet <laughs> under. <laughs> yeah, if, if Funaki's your number one announcer. You're a distant number two. Mark <laughs> Think Lord. about that, though. For real, though, they got they hired this guy Mark Lloyd, this professional announcer, and he's so bad that they're instead they're using a Japanese guy who doesn't speak English to be the <laughs> backstage interviewer instead. It started as a joke, but they're like, actually, he's actually better than Mark Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, when you're second to the non-English speaking Japanese corner for backstage interviews. Uh, that's pretty bad, Mark. So maybe that's why I've just, like I said, just blocked him out. Blocked him out. So anyway, well, later on, Funaki comes down to the ring for this interview, and he is holding a prop with him. He's got that chair that Taker uh, bent around Brock's head on Sunday, and it is the same chair. I mean, it is bent just with Brock's face crushed in it. So oh, yeah. It's crazy. And um, he introduces uh, Brock and Heyman. They come out, and Funaki shows him the chair. Like, here you go. And Brock takes it. Um, he and Heyman kind of look at it, and Brock just slams it down on the ground like a petulant child. Backs Funaki into the corner, but then Funaki, because you know he's a wrestler, he decides to slap Brock Lesnar across the face. <laughs> bad idea. Uh, yeah, bad, bad idea. And then Brock Lesnar is going to do something that I used to do to my wrestling dummies and just throw them around like a rag doll across the ring. He is. This looks so painful and so unprofessional but it's i'm sure it's done well and and the you know funaki knows what he's doing but dude brock is picking him up by his like the seat of his pants like literally by the waistband of his pants slamming him around ramming him in the corner suplexing him literally three quarters of the way across the ring just throwing him and then he ends it with a sick f5 and then yeah like i said grabs funaki by the seat of his jorts and just throws him out of the ring like <laughs> dude I, you and I have always dreamed about being professional wrestlers, but as I was watching this, I was thinking, maybe it's pretty for the best that I never got into the ring, because yeah. that's probably the role I would have been in that, well, yeah. <laughs> the size we are. Yeah. Well, this like, is and the it did I not played. look fun. Yeah, well, remember when we did actually try the backyard wrestling, this is the role I played in that one match I had with those guys. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was the squashed bug, so yeah, you're right, man. This makes it look like, oh. It's a good thing I didn't go down this route for my life. So, yeah. Um, well, I also want to say to go out of your way to watch this episode. Um, just Eddie Guerrero and Edge are going to steal the night, the week, the month. I mean, standing ovation from the crowd here. And uh, I know you and I both have our notes. Just a, a star-making performance from both these guys. It is incredible. And I remember this match. Like, like you know. Like, it was not a thought. Yeah, so. it was awesome. I think they actually put it on the DVD for this No Mercy pay-per-view. It was like a bonus feature oh, on there it? just because it was that good. And people yeah. talked about it so much. And uh, they didn't always put bonus stuff like that on there. So that was really cool to have on there. It was yeah. that good. That's awesome. Well, another thing that was just that good is this promo for No Mercy 2002. It's like Halloween and people are coming up to a, a door uh, for trick-or-treat and it's Pete Rose's house. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Yeah. How so, about it? At the end, he doesn't Kane say comes. that in there, sadly. No. <laughs> he does not. But at the end, Kane comes, and I guess he goozles him or something. I don't remember. But it was just a fantastic commercial back then. So, um, <laughs> Well, 
later on we get Matt Hardy, you know, showing Shannon Moore his his match from last week against the Hurricane. He's like, you know, I made the Hurricane run away to Raw, which again he just switched to Raw this past Monday, apparently. So didn't we just mention how in storyline mode they said that the contracts were frozen or something? It's the wild card, bro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, wild card. <laughs> well, he says. Who else than Matt Hardy, version one, founder of Mattitude, could make the Undertaker run away the last two times I was in the ring? Yeah, but Matt, I think it had a little more to do with Brock Lesnar than it had to do with you. Brock Lesnar? You think Brock Lesnar had something to do with that? Huh. Well, I'll tell you what. You sit right here, Mr. Fancy Pants, in this chair, and you watch this monitor. And you watch what I do to The Undertaker in my matchup next. And we'll see if Brock Lesnar has anything to do with Matt Hardy defeating The Undertaker again. Matt basically takes offense and is like, you just stay back here and watch and learn. So this is his little MFR, which we don't – he's not called that yet, but his little right. Mattitude follower, so – uh, MFR, which of course, sixteen-year-old us was like, Hee-hee-hee, so funny. <laughs> so, um, well, Are we Funaki? So Matt, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, we we were <laughs> ragdoll like Funaki. Okay. We laughed like Funaki. Yeah, we didn't know that. Um, indeed. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, Matt leaves and head to the ring, and then we see Brock like come out of a corner, like he's stalking him or something. And uh, yeah, it's it is what it is, and. Then um, I do want to mention this. It didn't really play along to the storyline here, but there's a promo for a press conference where they announce Safeco Field as the home of WrestleMania 19, and Taker's up there on the podium, and he says, you know, come see us that night because that night, that night I'll be 11-0 at WrestleMania. Mm. So I thought that was pretty go. neat. A little confidence yeah. there from yeah. Taker. Confidence, man. So, But um, Taker rides out for his match with Matt Hardy version 1, and he's ready to take care of business. And uh, Matt starts off with a handshake, trying to handshake the Undertaker here. Get, going back to those couple months of respect, you know, something that Chris Nowinski couldn't get from Taker. And uh, he does pretty much the same thing he, he did with Chris Nowinski <laughs> and uh, choke slams him and hits a last ride and forearms over the bridge and Matt's nose for the win. Pretty pretty quick win. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not a squash or anything, but it's a short match. But as soon as the bell rings, like the match is over, Brock is in the ring. I don't know if he teleported or what he did, <laughs> or if he was under the ring. I don't know. He just he booked um, it out there. He's immediately in the ring and nails Taker with the title, the WWE title, and Taker is bleeding. Um, Cue up the Brock, blood tracker, man. We're gonna exactly. need it for this episode. <laughs> it's number uh, one. <laughs> yeah, clue up the tracker and just go ahead, and grab some buckets for a transfusion because we're gonna need. <laughs> call up, uh, call up the Red Cross because we got a donation coming their way. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, well, Taker's bleeding here, and Brock is hitting him in the head while Taker's on his knees, and Brock smirks, and Taker's writhing in pain there, and they, he, uh, Brock and Heyman, back up the ramp and. During the break, we see that, or we see that during the break, Taker stumbling to get on his feet, and his face at this point is what I thought was covered in blood. It doesn't hold a candle to what we see later, right? Up to this point, it's covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, it's the cut he had from last night. It's busted right. open really quickly, and yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a gusher. It is. It's uh, like I said, uh, with all with perspective, uh, it's, it's a gusher up to this point. So we'll see much, 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 much worse than this in the Hell in a Cell, but. He's kind of falling up the ramp. The crowd's cheering him on, but he um, is going to basically have to sit on the floor all bloody while the medics try to tend to him. So he's struggling, but um, the announcers 
uh, talk about how we've never seen Undertaker quite like this, which is an overused expression for sure. But, you know, during this build, we're going to kind of see Taker at his most vulnerable, not psychologically like Kane did and, and ma- Mankind and stuff and Paul Bear, but like literally physically vulnerable during this. So Yeah, it really actually kind of holds true at this point. Yeah. You know, the only other times are maybe when he's – kind of lost those casket matches been carried out or yeah you know when the urn's been taken away and that power's been taken away but as far as realism and yeah blood pouring down and like not being able to stand up we really haven't seen that kind of selling from him at this point so it is interesting and next week on smackdown episode 163 on october 3rd I don't know if interesting is the right word, man. This episode opens with the most <laughs> overproduced video I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm not trying to exaggerate here, but Stephanie <laughs> is like running down the cr- the card for tonight, announcing, you know, introducing us to SmackDown, and it's supposed to be like really cool and futuristic, but to me, it actually just came off like really goofy and like someone had just figured out how to use all their editing tools on, you know, on a Mac or something. It's like, I'm Stephanie McMahon, Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon, and you're watching Smackdown, Smack, Smack, Smackdown, Smackdown. It's the Undertaker, 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 dead man, dead man, dead, dead, dead man walking. Yeah. It's like an MTV promo from 84. Exactly. But Matt you know Hardy. Matt, 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 Ho- Matt Hardy. <laughs> but you know what, dude? It was different. I'll give him that. It was different. Different's not and, always good. But they, it, she ran, she basically told you, here's what's coming up on the card tonight, which I do appreciate that. But yeah, you're right. It was neat and a different way maybe not necessarily all the good things but i just it was peculiar it, it was, was too much yeah. for me it was it was a lot yes it was <laughs> definitely a lot but i do applaud now that it was something different to set it apart from wrong okay. i like that all right we'll leave it there the effort i like yeah. the effort I like all right the effort. fair enough uh it is going to be a false count anywhere match between matt hardy and undertaker as this feud escalates <laughs> to another level they're the best of five series or uh, basically <laughs> They really are, man. They're facing every week. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, backstage, we see Brock and Heyman. They're uh, reviewing some tape from Brock's beatdown. That was another thing we saw a lot back then, these guys watching watching their matches back on, on the VCR. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Lesnar's all like they were reviewing tape, like Scotch or like Duck. Or I would watch electrical. Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar do that, though. It'd still be entertaining. <laughs> Well, Lesnar, he's really excited about this footage of him beating up Undertaker, but Heyman is is not so much. He's kind of warning Lesnar, like, Stephanie, she's demanding that there's going to be a rematch between you and Taker at no mercy, and she's going to make it a stipulation match, but she won't tell them what sort of stipulation match that it is quite yet. And so, uh, while they're talking about that, Matt Hardy busts in and says, well, it's not going to be a false count anywhere match at no mercy, because there's not going to be anything left of Undertaker after they're False Count Anywhere match tonight. And then Taz, kind of, I don't know what he's trying to get at here. He says, that's a great name for the match, bro, because Matt Hardy, he might fall somewhere during this match. (laughs) False Count Anywhere, you know. (laughs) What What does that mean? False Count Anywhere, he might fall somewhere. 
Uh, nothing. Uh. I got nothing for you. Well, uh, Undertaker rides out for this matchup, falls count anywhere, and he just dominates Matt Hardy here. He beats him all around ringside, into the crowd, uh, just destroying him. Uh, but Matt Hardy, he creates a little separation. He grabs a drink from somebody and, and throws it at Undertaker. Uh, they, so they, and then they head backstage. So then we get, if you're playing on the video game, you get a loading screen here for about 30 yeah. seconds as we go to the new area. But they go backstage. Uh, Matt's trying to ambush Undertaker, but it doesn't really work. Undertaker continues to just toss him around. and uh, tells He's telling Matt Hardy, you deserve this. Uh, Matt tries to run away and... Uh, he yells out at Taker, we'll meet again! <laughs> He's like... He shot off the side of the head. Sir, this kid. Show Matt Hardy no mercy. We'll meet again, Taker. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. Broken Matt Hardy. Little yeah. shades of that in there. He tries to climb up the wall <laughs> to get out of the arena, but it doesn't work. The door's locked. So he climbs up a, a fence in the area back there, and while he's climbing... Undertaker's all distracted, and Brock Lesnar, again, he just runs up out of nowhere and sneaks up on Undertaker, gives him a devastating F5 <laughs> onto a bunch of bags of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't tell if this was popcorn or, like, oh, It was popcorn, or... I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when the theater closes after midnight and they like have to take all the popcorn <laughs> yes, to the dumpster and they just bags. all laid it on this pallet next to this chain-link fence. <laughs> man i got an idea thumbtacks glass explosives Mick foley never fell into popcorn (laughs) (laughs) it's like steve austin tells that story about how he and uh, i think it was he and owen hart were fighting and owen hit him with a bag of popcorn just to try to get him to laugh yeah Yeah. that's what this reminded me of an F5. Oh no! Oh, well, I don't know if Undertaker's allergic to it or what, but it's uh, <laughs> it's enough for Matt Hardy to jump in and steal the pinfall and get a one, two, three over the yeah. Undertaker, which is more than his brother was able to do. You know, <laughs> he went to a grueling ladder match. It turns out all he had to do was just knock him on a piece of popcorn, <laughs> get the extra butter on there. <laughs> well, uh, Brock is not finished with Undertaker. You would think after that oh. devastation. But he grabs a propane tank like he's Hank Hill and runs in and decides to smash it on the Undertaker's hand as Undertaker is up against this chain link fence, smashes the the tank on his hand, and we hear Undertaker just screaming in agony like we've never heard him before, writhing in pain. He's making noises we've never Mm. heard Undertaker make. It's devastating here. And we come back from commercial, and they're showing it from different angles and slow motion. And we see the trainers assisting Undertaker, putting ice on his hand. And that, unfortunately, Mark the Mark Lloyd runs in. And why would you try to interview this man at a time such as this? Yeah. But Undertaker storms off. So Mark Lloyd asks the trainer what's going on. And he says, well, Undertaker's hand looks broken. We're going to try to talk him into getting some x-rays done tonight. But he doesn't want to go to the hospital. 
And he exits out that locked door that Matt Hardy couldn't get out of. <laughs> Somebody has unlocked it in the meantime. He's got Undertaker right right powers. Out. Yeah. But no, it was, uh, like you said, him writhing in pain. And, like, li- literally, we haven't seen him in this much pain and storyline-wise yet. You know, like, we really haven't. Like, he's really uh, doing a good job selling it, you know, because he's more realistic now. So it was it's really neat to see that vulnerability of him here. Well, Matt Hardy is not vulnerable. He's excited about this because yes. he once again busts into Heyman and Lesnar's locker room, and he's bragging about his big victory over the Undertaker and saying, well, since Undertaker's so badly injured, he probably can't compete at no mercy. And Matt Hardy's like, I, I defeated the number one contender, so I should be the number one contender. <laughs> <laughs> Logical. Yeah. And Paul Heyman's just like, yeah, man, you're absolutely right. You, you need to go talk to Stephanie about this tonight. As Matt walks out, Brock is just kind of smirk, smirking, and Paul kind of laughs and is like, "I'd be very careful. He'd kill you." <laughs> <laughs> and then Brock <laughs> just laughs it off and gives the death stare to Matt Hardy. So I don't know, man. It looks like the main event for No Mercy could be in jeopardy here. It does look like that. Well, the story finally ends tonight as we do find out what's going to happen with this main event at No Mercy. Brock and Heyman are about to leave the arena, and Stephanie stops them and gives them the update that the Undertaker's hand is officially broken. X-rays have come in, which you know, happened pretty quickly here. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. you managed to get to the hospital and get the X-ray results back. I, but I used to work an X-ray for your dad, by the way, and I can tell you right now, <laughs> it's hard to get an X-ray back that quick. <laughs> well, if the Undertaker's years. screaming at you, you might get it done. Maybe so. But, he uh, has already insisted on that he's going to compete at No Mercy against Lesnar, and Lesnar and Heyman kind of laugh it off like, okay, big deal. What kind of match is it going to be? One arm tied behind the back, or maybe a thumb wrestling match, perhaps? <laughs> Which, can we say, I, I need to see a thumb wrestling was... match between Undertaker and Lesnar. Yeah. Today, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Instead of Goldberg. If anybody could pull it off, it'd be those two oh, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they do arm wrestling matches all the time. Why have we never seen a thumb wrestling contest <laughs> in WWE? I don't know. Someone's got to do no that. Idea. Someone should. Our truth, maybe. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no. Not going to be any of those matches as Stephanie just kind of is waiting for these two idiots to shut up. And she tells yeah. them, it's going to be hell in the cell. And <laughs> Paul Heyman Sounds is. just like your dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Paul Heyman is obviously mortified about this, but Brock, he's actually seems kind of okay with it. He's kind of got a little yeah. smirk on his face and uh, doesn't show any fear about it. But man, uh, I'm sure I was excited to hear that back in the day. Hell in a Cell, this was only yeah. going to be the fifth or sixth one of these matches ever. And, you know, just the prospect of these two guys going at it sounded pretty exciting. You knew you were, good, you knew you were getting something big with Hell in a Cell back then. Yeah. The last one in May with Jericho and, and Triple H was great. You know, that was a fun one. Uh, different. And this one, you knew it was going to be good because there's Taker in it again. It's kind of his signature match. So. And that was an interesting point that they had just had one a few months ago. So this mm-hmm. was, uh, I guess, there were probably some people that were kind of like, wow, can't believe they're going to this well yet again with Hell in a Cell because it had been more protected than that. We hadn't yeah. seen one in a long time before that. Little do they know that there'll eventually be a pay-per-view where they just do all the matches in one. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite there yet. Yeah, they don't build up to the Hell in a Cell. They just say, here's Hell in a Cell because we're having one. But yeah. (laughs) It's it's October. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, it is weird how this is October as well, um, which is where the first Hell in the Cell in 97 was in October as well. Again, true. we talked about the parallels between this buildup and the Sean and Undertaker stuff, you know, how it, it ended at Ground Zero, how last month ended, how we're going to Hell in the Cell here, it's October. Um, yeah, it's not lost on me anymore at this point. It was it was before last week, but now I, I do see it's straight parallel between that so they're telling the well, same story where they couldn't control yeah. it in the ring and couldn't control them outside the ring so they gotta shove them in this demonic creation to, to try to settle the score yeah well things are going to take a left turn here because things are going to slightly veer off <laughs> this episode of smackdown from that copy and paste from five years ago so we get smackdown 164 <laughs> yeah, we get a big insert after yeah. the copy and paste yeah. so, someone someone mixed their two scripts together <laughs> cut and paste from the wrong script into this exactly um well smackdown 164 this is october 10th of 02 it opens with a another one of those crazy videos like you talked about and we get a um Recap shot of last week, and now Taker's doing his infamous, you know, wait in the parking lot and look for my arrival. You know, <laughs> it's his trademark, man. Yeah, exactly. Get ready for him to arrive, and but he's got a huge cast on his right arm that says "No Pain" on it. It's got written mm. little letters, and like, it's like something you and I would have made from our backyard wrestling match. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's so cheesy, but I love that. But you know, you know what's even cheesier did you notice that from here on out whenever they show like one of the uh, fighting videos like of him and his matches it's like him you know it's like the live action and then it pauses all they did was just superimpose a white cast over his hand it's the same video it's like him doing like his little yeah. fighting stance but it's just like a yeah a little floating like like <laughs> someone poorly superimposed it on there yeah it's terrible but they would do that with the belts too when anybody would win oh, a championship yeah. it was so oh, yeah. terribly done fake yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, well anyway um matt hardy comes down for a promo and he says you know things are great for me right now and he gloats about single-handedly beating taker in a false guy anywhere match last week and shows footage which where Brock's assistance is left out of it, which is just classic heel stuff, you know. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. You know, um and he um says that Taker's in the parking lot because he's afraid of Matt Hardy and we just see finally we just see Taker making his way to the arena to on the way to the ring because he's I guess he's got the loudspeaker on right there. I don't know how he knows got, what's happening. He's got Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah, he must have. But dude, so, this this camera <laughs> shot was incredible. It was really well done because Matt Hardy's gloating this entire time he's talking and his back's to the Tron. But the Tron, yeah. we see Undertaker coming into the arena, so everyone in the right. arena sees it, and Matt's got his back to it the whole time. I just, I really appreciated how they shot oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very well shot. Production was, was great there. So, yeah, he doesn't see him coming, uh, making his way through, through the arena, and then Matt's ranting about how, you know, he needs to stop and take your or I'm sorry, he finally does see that he's coming and he comes out and Matt's like, you know, you need to stop. But, you know, uh, Taker comes out and he, he attacks him. Uh, as he gets in the ring, Matt Hardy attacks him with a microphone and uh, slams the broken handle on the turnbuckle. But then Super Taker shrugs it all off like he's prone to do <laughs> and takes Matt on the outside. And again, he's just making the Hardy Boys uh, one of his little whipping boys here and he uh uses that cast as a weapon so punching matt hardy with it which if i just broke my hand a week ago i'm not punching somebody with it i've never broken my hand but 
I probably won't punch someone with it. So. Dude, that's yes. I I have broken both of my wrists, <laughs> uh, both from wrestling incidents, both with my dad at a younger age. So I have had cast on both my arms, and yes, I there is no way, especially a week after I broke it, I would want to yeah. punch somebody with it because it's still broken. It still hurts right. like crap, and um. I will say Undertaker does still sell it. I mean, he sure. still acts like it hurts and, and every time he uses it. But good grief, man. Like, I can't imagine nailing somebody with that cast at that point in time. Um, oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would have been nuts, man. I would have been on the floor writhing in pain. So, well, Taker also headbutts Matt and Matt is busted open. So he's bloodied up uh, someone else now yep. here and he's bloodied him up with the cast. Yep. So the rest come out, and Taker, of course, scares them off, and they can't take him down. So he and Matt brawl some more and go into the ring and then back out of the ring. And eventually Matt hits him with the chair, and uh, Super Taker hits the chair into Matt Hardy's head with a cast. So Taker punches a chair into Matt Hardy's head with a broken hand. Ow! (laughs) This is some some Hulk Hogan 1988 stuff right here, man. He's just super hulking up, man. But, um... Uh, he goes to hit Matt, and Matt's against the ring post, and Matt ducks, and then this is where Taker finally like just breaks breaks the or the, the straw that breaks the camel's back here, and uh, he just starts writhing in pain. He's punched it, you know, against the ring post, and Matt's got you know blood on his face, and he's escaping to the back. And um, I just wrote my notes. I thought that was a pretty cool start to the show. It was a pretty fun. Uh, fun thing, but it it went on a little bit too long, man. It could it could the same thing could have been accomplished with like a minute and a half, two minutes cut off of it. I just thought personally, so yeah. I mean, I liked it though. I, I liked how it went on because I liked that Matt Hardy he kept fighting through the whole team. This was not mm, yeah. Undertaker just beating up Matt Hardy with nothing. Sure. Like Matt Hardy kept getting up, or he kept like finding a way to get out of it, and Matt Hardy left standing. Uh, at yeah, the, like true. Undertaker got the better of him for sure. But as uh, the heel that Matt Hardy is, he he managed to end up walking out sort of victorious and sort of still standing, even though Undertaker did it to himself. And so I liked that, you know, it, it helped both guys here, and I appreciate that. Like um, Matt Hardy to me, during this time, as I was watching this, it kind of reminded me of Sami Zayn nowadays now, yeah. because. Like, Matt Hardy was a guy you would think, how's Matt Hardy going to be a heel? Like, mm-hmm. he's such a baby face. Like, mm-hmm. you never heard him. You you could not picture him as a heel, but somehow he's perfect at it. And yep. I feel like Sami Zayn's the same way. Like, if you had told me two years ago, Sami Zayn cannot be a heel, man. He's right. just, like, eternal baby face. But yeah. somehow he's actually really great as a heel. And he's he's pulling better. It off really yeah. Well. yeah, maybe better. <clears throat> um, so I think it's cool to see that comparison and, um, yeah, I could see where this segment might be a little long, but I, I like the storytelling through it. Um, and they're obviously trying to get over the new story of Undertaker's hand being uh, severely injured and, and putting that match into jeopardy. Yeah, well, speaking of that, too, we see him backstage. I think it's Rikishi's coming out, and then there's a trainer checking on Undertaker who's just, like I said, we keep saying writhing in pain. I need to figure out a new word for writhing in pain, but that's what's going on. He's just it rolling is. around. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, so... Uh, too bad because it has no pain on his cast, but I guess uh, no pain, no gain. But uh, the, apparently that didn't work out for him, so he's in pain. So the trainer recommends more x-rays and see if he broke his hand in a different place and Taker eventually agrees. And um, But, you know, it's his own fault for that. He's he kind of is. Yeah, he brought it on himself. 
start punching chairs and punching <laughs> ring posts and punching anyone. Just use left hand. Just use your left hand. <laughs> Not all too you had smart. To do. Yeah. Just switch. But um, <clears throat> later on, we're going to see Brock and Paul Heyman and a very special guest who is some mystery girl walking through the parking lot. No. Uh, yeah. So Heyman tells this jabroni production guy, to, he's like, make sure the way to the ring is clear, which I don't know what that means. They're like, <laughs> people laying in the, I don't know, but. Popcorn. Uh, yeah, popcorn <laughs> all over the place. I don't know, but um, Taz and Michael Cole don't know who she is, but they're like, we're sure she's not with Paul Heyman. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taz is just always dogging on him, so. Um, well, Matt Hardy then has a Desire video uh, set to his theme song, which is just neat because it's a tongue-in-cheek, you yes. know, it's a parody parody of the other ones. So, but it's fantastic because it's Matt Hardy and it's that awesome song, and it's just him talking about how awesome he is and <laughs> his attitude and all this stuff like that. So it's really it's, well done, though. I forgot completely. Is. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen it. I don't remember it at all. <laughs> Oh, it was great. And it's funny because it's like literally nothing from his Hardy Boys time. It's only no. from yeah. his time on SmackDown now. It seems to become. It's him pinning The Undertaker after yeah. getting completely beat. They don't show him getting beat up. It's just him right. pinning Undertaker. Yeah, it's great. Well, then Brock Heyman and, as Taz says, some tomato come out. So <laughs> I don't know if it's appropriate to call women tomatoes in 2019, but this is 2020. 2002 and i'm quoting so i don't know if it's a compliment or a put down <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure so <clears throat> well Heyman uh says taker is nursing his broken hand in the back and he's questioning taker's desire to enter hell in the cell with brock for the title and asks what kind of man undertaker is and says that you know i'm not qualified to answer that question but tracy is very qualified to answer that so <sighs> Yeah, now we've mentioned Dick Tracy several times on this podcast, and this is not him. I would have loved to have seen Dick Tracy here, but this is this Tracy. Oh, I'm trying really hard not to make jokes, Travis. You why, you, why would you say that? I've got to do a softball. <laughs> there, um, oh. Well, Tracy gets on the mic, and she starts to speak. And as she starts to speak, we hear... Um, dead man walking and then terrifying lyrics and then uh taker comes out to the ring and brock and Heyman immediately bail as taker gets in the ring um which i don't know is what it is but maybe Heyman shouldn't be bailing at this point i mean not Heyman, maybe brock shouldn't be but anyway so it's just tracy and taker in the ring and uh she begins to basically lay in some allegations here that taker um or at taker um, she, she says, what are you going to do? Hit me now? How could you? How could you, Mark? How could you, Mark? For three months, you have lied to me and slept with me? And now I find out you're married? That your wife is pregnant? I never even cared that you were the Undertaker. I never even watched wrestling, which <laughs> good uh, advertisement for your product. Yeah, great, exactly. <laughs> she says, you know, I even uh, promised that I wouldn't make our relationship public, um, you know, and I'm just sorry that for Sarah that she has to find out this way. And she says that Taker, you li- or Mark lied to me just like you lied. Excuse me, lied to Sarah just like you're lying to me. And then Taker just rips the mic out of her hand. 
Um, and he says, listen, lady, I have no idea who you are. <laughs> which, and then, which is awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And then she just slaps him across the face, which, uh, and he doesn't like that at all. No. But, uh, she leaves. But he does he not doesn't... choke her like he did Sable back in 1999. <laughs> right. He doesn't, but he looks puzzled. He looks like, I don't know, a, like your pet dog if you, like, you know, whistle just quickly and they don't <laughs> kind of see where the whistle comes from. He's kind of, like, looking puzzled as she leaves. So, um, I hated this from the second it began in 2002 oh, because it was no longer hashtag Blame Sarah. Now it's hashtag Blame Tracy. And... I think that um, after this night, the wheels just come off the storyline. They don't know where it's headed because we're going to see it begin. And, uh, well, we'll get to it. I don't want to spoil anything for those of you who haven't seen it. But it is just – it's something else. Because at right, this point, Taker says, listen, lady, I have no idea who you are. Just yes, remember that. Remember that. Our baby face – Babyface here is saying he has no idea who this woman is. Dude, so you, the crowd is completely confused by it in mm-hmm. the show as well. It gets like no reaction or response. Mm-hmm. It's they're doing too much, man. Though yet again, just like with last month, this yep. storyline is perfectly <clears throat> great. You've upped the ante with with the cast being on Undertaker's hand, giving it that that extra layer of you know, wounding him and giving him an extra obstacle to compete against. And it's really physical and it's really well done. You've still got the Matt Hardy stuff in there. So you've already got a ton of stuff going on in this storyline to take it to the next level. And then again, just like last month, it takes this stupid soap opera turn. I I, I don't know if it's because they're on network television. Like they got to feel like they got to add this level to it because it's on UPN or something. But it's also because... You point out in your notes that this is the same week that they're doing the Katie Vick storyline yes. on Raw. So I don't even so know. So it could be worse. It, what could it, be worse. it could be. But that's that's tells you exactly where the company's mindset is. Like They yeah. feel like they have to add those sort of storylines. to the, They really, really wanted to add that type of quote-unquote realism <laughs> to it. The right. outside of the ring backstory stuff. And it does not yeah. work it never like the crowd it always dies for stuff like that we don't mm-hmm. want to see that in wrestling no we don't like i said bless his heart taker's little brother kane has been accused of murdering someone and sleeping with her after she was dead and at least taker's uh accusations are up to a live person i guess <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> <laughs> at least he did not commit a crime of some sort. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, well, later on we see Brock Heyman and Tracy run into Stephanie backstage. And Stephanie tells her that they can't leave since Brock's got a match tonight. She says that Brock is going to replace Jamie Noble in the tag team title <laughs> tournament. He's going to be Tajiri's partner. Suitable against, replacement. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we always say here, if like, you know, if – Something goes wrong for a shoot, and you know, like a star superstar goes down a wrestler, you gotta replace him with somebody bigger and better, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, if your big star, Jamie Noble, goes down, you gotta replace him with Brock Lesnar, <laughs> the champion. So, but, um, what a fun little match that was. But, um, Heyman disagrees that Brock's gonna be in that match with Seth's like, no, it's gonna happen. So, she's been castrating role, like, authority figures since day one. So, yep. didn't just start with Kurt Angle, started back then. So, 
But uh, she does say Taker's banned from ringside since the tag team title tournament is so important to SmackDown. So if he if he interferes, he forfeits his WWE title shot at No Mercy. So mm. there at least are some stakes here. Yes. You know, I do appreciate that. We talked about that a long time ago. Just stakes are important. Makes you pay attention and see, you know, is he going to give up his shot because he wants to get in there? and You know, it helps you, you do that. Um, well, then backstage, Taker's on the phone talking to Sarah and says, you know, this is all just mind games from Brock and from Heyman and trying to explain that they're just making stuff up. And um, she apparently hangs up on him, and he's pacing around and cursing. And you pointed out here in your notes that SmackDown was actually taped on a Tuesday. So how, how is, does she know? Does she, she get a live feed of it to her house? Yeah, she's watching the as satellite. They're taping it? <laughs> so, I don't know, man. It was really confusing. Yeah, and then um, – Brock is, or excuse me, Heyman is giving Brock tips about how to avoid Edge Mysterio tonight, and Brock's like, give me your phone, give me your phone. I need to make a call. And then he apparently calls Sarah, so he's got her phone number how does in he memory. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's what a creep. Sarah's phone number. <laughs> Even DDP didn't do that. Oh, maybe so. he got it from DDP. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. He could have. He could have. So he calls her and says, you know, I'm sorry what you had to go through tonight. And uh, he's like, hey, how you doing? Just call and see if you're okay. I mean, the stress you must be under right now. To witness that on live television, I cannot believe it. What do you mean you don't know who this is? You gotta be kidding me, right? I'm, I'm really offended. What? It's Brock Lesnar. And I'm so glad that we could spend another moment like this together. Sarah. When he hangs up the phone, Heyman's like, cannot believe that Brock just had the, you know, stones to call Sarah. You know, he's like, what a big, like, you know, he's kind of impressed by it, I think. But kind of like, what just happened? So, um, again, this is uh, supposed to be live television, but it was taped two nights ago, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyway. It's all so silly, man. Whatever. Again, yep, yep. All, all the stupidity could have been avoided. Yeah. Well, the fun little main event, Brock and Tajiri for probably the first and last time ever tag team against Edge <laughs> and Mysterio. And uh, in a really neat little little opening here, Brock and Edge start together, and Brock's kind of getting in – or Edge's kind of getting in Brock's head because he's kind of resilient. He's kind of taking everything he's – Brock's dishing out and mocking Brock's taunts and stuff. Pretty cool stuff, and I don't know that they ever got to really go have a yeah, one-on-one like feud, you know? Well, they um, – they fought at this rebellion pay per view that I don't remember if it took place before the show or after this show. I'm trying looking at. So it took place after November, right? No Mercy. Now October 26th, they mm. had a handicap match in the main event with Lesnar and Heyman against yeah. Edge. So I guess they were they were uh, probably fighting on some of the house shows. Yeah. Around this time and yeah, they didn't quite get like an official. Like, yeah, like you know, a, a American pay per view run, but they did. Uh, I remember they had that match on the Rebellion favorite because I had that DVD. Yep, <laughs> I remember watching that at your house. Yeah. But Taker's not on that one, so we're not going to be covering right. that show. Yeah, but it was just neat and to think about what could have been if they actually yeah, had like a, a real done run. So. More, for sure. Yeah, but it was neat here. Fun stuff. Tajiri accidentally kicks Brock and Ray and Edge double team Brock and kick him out of the ring and then finish Tajiri off. So anyway, 
Then afterward, Brock annihilates Edge and Mysterio, and then gives Tajiri his tag team partner an F five for good measure. So, and then gives Ray another one, and then Taker runs down, and Cole again's like, "Here comes the emotional freight train." Exactly. <laughs> 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 Trying to get that name over, and he uh, Taker nails Brock with his cast, and Lesnar and Heyman escape to the back as SmackDown goes off the air, and Taker's music plays like he's you know standing tall at the end here. But again, he's the emotional freight train, and just. Rolling in and out of town here, so. Dang. If you cut out this affair stuff, it's a great freaking storyline, man. Oh yeah, and it's oh, yeah. Uh, same thing here as the Go Home Show, SmackDown episode one sixty five from October seventeenth, two thousand two. Undertaker is gonna be in the locker room. He's requested some time to you know set the record straight about the events from last week, and he's gonna talk straight into the camera. Here he says. Last week he was accused by this woman of being a cheater, and when that happened, he lied. I do know her. But I mean, look. I knew a lot of women like her back then. See, that was years ago. It was a long time ago. Years before I ever met my wife, Sarah. So to say I was surprised last week when I got to SmackDown and here's this woman accusing me of being a cheater. Surprise would be an understatement. So in the moment, I made a judgment call. And lied about things. This is our baby face hero. Baby fa- exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. You know, as a baby face. I really think they rewrote crap after that last week. It's I think that he was crazy. supposed to not know her. And then they decided to like, like Vince does and just change his last minute. I think they decided to change because it's going to get even stupider when we get to No Mercy pay-per-view itself. Yeah. So I feel like they're trying to quote-unquote give these guys layers of to their character because like they're doing wow. the same thing with kane like yeah kane did not come up like a baby face in the katie vick story like <laughs> it, it was an accident but he like freaking porking yeah like god it's weird like it's not a baby face story yeah. man he doesn't come off as the hero no. in this but right <clears throat> anyway he says that he hasn't seen this woman in seven years and he doesn't know what she wants and all he knows is this last week has been a living hell thanks to Lesnar and Heyman. But the hell he's been through is nothing compared to the hell he's going to put them through at Hell in the Cell on Sunday. Give me a hell yeah. He does not say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> I do like that he said he's going to put both of them through uh-huh. hell, hell in the Cell because, yeah, it's what's to come. Okay. Anyway, it's just neat. It is. And, I mean, I'll tell you what, dude. He's doing his best with this mm-hmm. stuff. It, his delivery is strong here. His his performance as well. His material is garbage, but right. hey, uh, Undertaker's doing what he can with it. Well, Brock, Paul, and Tracy they're here tonight. They storm through the arena, and uh, she's ranting and raving, saying, "I can't believe she." He said I was in his past. We're gonna go talk to Stephanie McMahon tonight. So they they barge in there. Stephanie's doing some paperwork in their office, and uh, Heyman and his crew barge in. Tracy says, Undertaker's a liar. They slept together 10 days ago. And <laughs> 10 days late? Reminds me of a third eye blind 10 days late. Anyway, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie's not really believing her. She tells her to leave. She does not need to be there in the arena tonight. And Paul, she walks away. Paul's trying to butter up Stephanie, talking to her about her future, the future of SmackDown, and how. Brock Lesnar and Matt Hardy, they're the real future of SmackDown. And Undertaker and his cast, they're the past of SmackDown. And Stephanie 
uh, this is not in the best interest of SmackDown's future for Undertaker to be in the Hell in a Cell with this weapon, with this cast on his hand. And Stephanie's just listening to him, says, all right, I'll take your request under consideration tonight, and I'll make a decision about it later. But tonight, Brock Lesnar can go take out some of his pin-out aggression on Chuck Palumbo. It's a dream Heck match yeah. for you there. Lesnar Palumbo. Yeah, you and I were such big Chuck Palumbo fans in WCW, but... At this point, he's just gone from uh, ambiguously gay duo to just cool straight guy. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> In quotations. Yeah. One, I swear to God, I'm straight guy. <laughs> like, yeah. This whole like three weeks of billion Chuck, they're like wearing their wife beaters. They still got their bleach blonde hair, but they've got their yeah. beards grown out. Like they're doing bikini <laughs> contests with the ladies, and but they yeah. still they still have the. You look. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the night it changes. I think this is. I it's think so, this match it changes. It's so weird, yeah. man. <clears throat> it um, is strange. Very strange. <laughs> Good on Chucky P. Yeah, dude. My screen name for AIM used to be Chuck Palumbo One. <laughs> Absolutely, it was. <laughs> As a joke, but I actually really liked him in WCW. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Uh, anyway, I did get excited for him, but. Um, yeah, before we get to that match, Taker, he barges into Stephanie's office next. You know, she can't get any work done here tonight. Uh, and he calls Tracy a lying <clears throat> word of the month from last yeah. month. <laughs> Circle back to last month if you don't know what that is. That's right. So, it's uh, Meredith Brooks. In the archives. Uh, yeah. Taker says he can't believe Stephanie would take this request to take his cast off under consideration. And it Stephanie's like, well, you know, you have been using your cast as an offensive weapon. And Taker's like, oh, yeah? Is that what this is all about? Because this is an offensive weapon? You think the things that I've done have been offensive? Well, let me show you how offensive I can be. <laughs> and smashes this lamp and this table in Stephanie's office. And the emotional freight train dude, is just steamrolling through her office. Steamrolling through the lamp, dude. He just smashes the lamp with his broken hand. Oh, golly. It's amazing. Uh, once again, Undertaker's great here, as usual. But, yeah. Uh, Brock and he knows Chuck, how to make chicken salad out of the... He's trying. He's doing You know what. Brock and Chuck Palumbo, they actually have a pretty long, decent match here. and uh, Brock dominates him for most of it, but Chuck gets in a few hope spots. He gets a mm-hmm. couple of those jungle kicks that he used to do in WCWN and gets a near fall. But Brock picks up the win with the F5, of course, heading into the pay-per-view. And Taker takes a page out of Brock's book and just storms the ring immediately after the match mm-hmm. is over. Hits a big boot, starts stomping a mud hole in Lesnar, and uses that cast as an offensive weapon on Lesnar and uh, some other officials, referees running into the ring, and Taker's just screaming in pain every time he uses it, which is logical. Man, it's hurting him, but he's using it to hurt others as well. And Brock Lesnar's going to get busted open off this to take the blood tracker up to three before we've even gotten to the pay-per-view here. And Dude, it's if, like I said <clears throat> earlier, if you take out... All this garbage with Sarah and Tracy over the past two months. This would be one of the best storylines of Undertaker's career, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, if you ignore all that, all this stuff with Lesnar and Heyman, the storytelling with that and with the cast and with the younger generation, the older generation, it's so old school, perfect wrestling storytelling. But 
because all this other stuff's attached to it, it just drags it down, man. I, I wish we could. I wish we could edit this stuff off the WWE Network. Yeah, yeah. you know what? This storyline without the Soul Robber stuff is Memphis wrestling stuff. It is. Maybe that's maybe that's why Vince had to add the, the sports uh, entertainment crap maybe. into it because there's this is the stuff that Memphis was built off of and Mid South and uh, all that stuff was just like this, man. But to tell you what, man, the crowd's into this because when you're talking about him beating up Lesnar and stuff and bloodying him up, the crowd's just chanting Taker, yes. Taker. Like, but again, it has nothing. They're not chanting Tracy, Tracy. Or anything. <laughs> like, they're not. They're not. They don't care about the, the soap opera. So just leave it behind. There's a time and a place for it. This was not it. It was not, not. necessarily. Well, it was the time and the place for Matt Hardy to do something cool here. We've talked about this rise of Mattitude, <laughs> and uh, this is kind of going to be kind of the last time we get to mention him much, really. But yeah. just a side note that this is the first night he debuts those iconic Matt facts and that mm-hmm. Windows Media Player style entrance that he comes out <laughs> in. It's you know one of the best things ever in wrestling, just period. It's so awesome. Yeah. We loved it back then. It's so innovative and cool. And it's pretty interesting, very first Matt fact, historically. Yes, Matt, very first Matt fact is that Matt Hardy has beaten Undertaker two straight times. Which <laughs> How I about just, that, man? I love that, man. Like, I, If you asked me that on a trivia question, I would have missed it. So, again, like you said, Undertaker was somehow responsible for Matt Hardy version 1. Like, <laughs> and King Maxwell and Wolfgang. So. Yeah, if you go all the way back to it, man. <laughs> Well, uh, Lesnar and Heyman are going to go backstage, try to make sure Steph, you know, you've got to make Undertaker take that cast off for this match. And uh, Heyman barges into Steph's office. He's trying to sweet talk her at first. And she's like, look, I told you, I'm going to make my decision by the end of the night. And then Heyman just loses it and starts yes. screaming at her. I told you I will make my decision later tonight, and I will. I will make up my mind and let you know my answer. I want that cast off of his hand! Leave my office. Uh, they're dragging this out all night long. Stephanie talks to Mark the Mark in her office, trying to find out if she's made up her mind. She says, yes, I'm going to go make my announcement in the ring. So she goes out to the ring, and she invites Lesnar and Heyman to come out. They do their entrance, and you know, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Stephanie goes through her reasoning, says, you know, on the one hand, um, Brock Lesnar broke Undertaker's hand to begin with. And so on the other hand, Hell in a Cell is a no-holds-barred match. But Undertaker has been using his cast as an offensive weapon. He, he used it to bloody Matt Hardy and Brock Lesnar. But I've decided that in the Hell in a Cell match, the Undertaker will be allowed to wear his cast during the match. Mm. Will be. Which, again, this is, according to my recall, this is... The whether or not he can wear this cast is, and I quote, the biggest decision Stephanie has had to make as GM. Hyperbole <laughs> <laughs> so, much? What an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. Short-term memory goal. How about getting Undertaker to SmackDown? Was or a Brock Lesnar. Or had Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Just, oh my uh. golly. But anyway, but yeah, that be said, Taker is allowed to have his cast on, so proceed. <laughs> well, Lesnar is not too happy about this, and he goes back into his creeper mode from last week and tries to me too, Stephanie, as he 
backs her into the corner, <laughs> like gets all up on her, smells her neck and her hair. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what he was trying to I, do. <laughs> like <God. laughs> he went from intimidating her to trying to ask her to go to the steakhouse after <laughs> back up to his room. Something. Wait, his room's called the steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, it is. Man, you seen that guy? <laughs> Keeps it real cold in there. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> uh, thankfully, the Undertaker saves her, uh, saves her from the meat train, and <laughs> track <laughs> and a callback to one of our uh, one of our earlier running gags. What does Taz scream when Undertaker comes out? <clears throat> he pulls a Pike of Cole and says, "Here comes the Calvary!" As Undertaker oh. runs out. Oh my goodness! Did not, he? Not I cavalry, was... he says. Yeah. Here comes the cavalry. Oh, what moron! Well, Brock stops Undertaker uh, and st- starts stomping on his hand. Heyman is screaming at Taker. Lesnar walks away, uh, but Heyman he starts to get cocky. Uh, t- uh, Lesnar walks out of the ring, but Heyman walks over to Taker, just starts kicking at him, stomping on him, mm-hmm. thinking Undertaker's done. <clears throat> But Undertaker sits up, he stops him, and starts using that cast as an offensive weapon and ends up busting Paul Heyman open crazily to take the blood checker up to number four. Fourth time we've seen blood in this buildup. And Taker sends Lesnar flying out over the apron as he tries to save Heyman and continues to beat him down. And Undertaker and Lesnar do a stare-off as Cole guarantees that Undertaker will have no mercy on Sunday at No Mercy. Um, it's a great way to sell the pay-per-view. Man, great final moments to get you to want to spend your money here in four days. Uh, I'm glad they focused on that and not this stupid affair storyline. Yeah, absolutely. And like the Taker's got cast on, or blood on his cast, you know, just showing that off as a SmackDown fades away. So, yeah, you know, at least, like you said, at least they're focusing on the brutality and the physicality between the two. So, um Really, really good. Again, let's just pretend like Tracy didn't happen. Yeah. But it's well, we're gonna see what happens. So, um, I do want to mention here before we actually get to No Mercy, so there's some Sunday Night Heat action going on. Oh man! And, uh, again, we haven't talked not, about that in a while. I know it's not on network. I had to find it some you know Haji copy online on YouTube. But uh, it's this uh, is the one hour lead in. So it's, it's Sunday Night Heat on October twentieth. Oh, too. And Heyman's getting a backstage interview talking about the brutality of Hell in the Cell. And again, he sells it like only Heyman can. He talks yeah, about how of course, Mick, of course. Mick, Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels and even referee Tim White haven't been the same since they were in one. And then we get a video from the Hell in the Cell back in May between Jericho and Triple H, who referee Tim White for a shoot injured his shoulder, like legit. And um, he gives a little interview, and I forgot how funny his voice is. It does not fit the body, <laughs> but um, he talks about how dangerous it is, and you know, even for referees. So it's it's life changing for all the participants. Which, um, you know, suspend your disbelief. It's really neat to see that played up as a real realistic thing, you know. And he's like, you know, I just I pray for the wrestlers involved, which I just thought was a cool touch to add to the realism here, you know. Absolutely, man. It's like they they haven't done it as much in recent years but they used to do such a good job of putting over the destructiveness of hell in yes. a cell and, and that's something like using tim white the referee yeah. and being so brutally injured during that you know it's it's unfortunate for tim white but it made sure. for great storytelling for this matchup yeah. and you just knew whew, it's these guys are going to be changed by this match right 
Right. And then there's a little interview with Taker, and he says he's the master of the Hell in a Cell, and it's shortened the careers of HBK and Foley. And he says, tonight, two will enter. Only one going to come out alive. And he says, you know, but who wins when that happens? You know, who wins when, you know, even though you walk out, you're still not really a winner. So then we get a little interview with Brock, and he says that he's not nervous. He's excited. He can go into Hell in a Cell, beat Taker in his own backyard because that's Taker's match. And he said, you know, Taker might be the champion of Hell in a Cell, but he's not going to be leaving champion tonight. Uh, he's coming in wounded with a broken hand and a cast as well, and you know Brock's gonna take advantage of that. So, really neat little stuff. And like I said, we haven't talked about Heat very much, but they're they're all the players are prominently featured here, so I felt it was pretty necessary to give that final push toward the pay per view here. Definitely, and um, it worked, man. People wanted to see this match. Uh, we, this is No Mercy 2002, October 20th, from the Alltel Arena in North Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> Not a That's place you a, hear too many pay-per-views from. No, well, in fact, this is the first and last pay-per-view from WWE in Arkansas. So, according to my sources online. Which is <laughs> weird, man. It's a good show, and the crowd's into yeah. it. I don't, I don't see why. I don't know. Crowd isn't. I think they go there for, you know, live shows and Raw yeah. SmackDown. But I don't, it's not they, quite big enough. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe if they had uh, Henry and Phineas back on the show. <sighs> I would have. <laughs> Would have been hanging from the rafters. Hog cell. Hog pin cell match. Ooh. Ooh, I like it. Uh, well, we did not order this one, but uh, as I think I mentioned last week, I believe you gave this one to me on DVD for my birthday in February of 2003. And uh, it's got that cover with Kane's mask on the front of it. Uh, I've watched it many, many times. That Unforgiven and No Mercy. I watched those DVDs a lot after you gave them to me. Rewatched them many times and... Mainly because of this main event, but also, dude, there's a sick match with Angle, Benoit, and Edge and Mysterio on there. The finals mm. of that SmackDown tag team tournament. Um, back in the day, watched that one lots of times. Yeah, haven't since '07, but yeah, that that match is phenomenal. And also that the opening match of the show has got the it's a uh, Jericho and Christian against uh, Booker Dust or whatever Book yeah. Dust. And that bottom rope breaks. Remember that? It was Jericho, just, he's going for the yeah. lion salt and just goes flying out. Yeah. Of the ring. <laughs> he winds up in the ma- in the match with a top rope moonsault, which you did not see from Jericho often. You yeah. know, when you saw him do lot. This is really neat though. And like I said, that match, and then we got the freaking katie big stuff with triple h but yeah this match is a mixed mixed bag but i really i mean this show the mixed bag but i really enjoyed it overall man there's some good really stuff on entertaining here. and yeah. it's like we mentioned at the top of the show it's rated tvma on the network mm-hmm. has like a parental extra parental advisory yeah. on there before you watch it which is you know pretty interesting man it just goes to show you how brutal this match we're going to discuss is but uh oh it's not because of don marie and al wilson stuff <laughs> It could be because of that too. I didn't kidding. think about that. <laughs> totally kidding. He's Goodness gracious, that. man! But this that storyline is great. <laughs> now that's soap opera. That's that's what that's what it is. But um, uh, this pay per view has probably the greatest cold open of all time. I just tell us about it. A rare pay per view cold open as a Undertaker. He's sitting in the locker room. He's looking at his cast and. His brother Kane comes and sits next to him. You know, they've been on separate shows here for a, a while now and haven't been uh, interacting with each other much. But like we said earlier, we learned all about Katie Vick the past couple weeks. And Kane just sits down next to Undertaker, reunited at the pay per view, turns and looks at him and says, So, 
How was your week? <laughs> Taker just gives him a look and then says, live from Little Rock, it's Saturday night. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Might as well have, dude. That would have been perfect. <laughs> this scene was so perfect, though, man. Like, Just what a neat little thing. I loved it. It's so stupid, it but, but it, it was great. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Because that's those guys. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. Exactly. It's fine. Well, the, I guess the real open after that with the video, it focuses on, you know, their brothers of destruction and their respective storylines. And, you know, unfortunately, the soap opera that goes along with them. But, you know, it is neat to see Kane and Taker both at the, I guess, top of their respective yeah. cards, you know, of their um, shows. So, um, but Heyman does a voiceover for him and Brock's part. And it's, Again, Heyman is such a good like pitch guy. He could sell ice cream to a snowman. I mean, well, what's the Eskimo? Sorry, not or a snowman. snowman. <laughs> it's, it's sure, he, he's that good. He's that good. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, really, really, really good stuff to open it up there. Um, well, you know, uh, we're hyping up that match. There's they're they're talking about this stupid storyline in that video. There's like weird sounds of babies crying in the background of the video as they're talking about the pregnant wife of the undertaker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's weird, but, uh, we're going to get some resolution of sorts to this whole Tracy storyline throughout the show. Yeah. We got a backstage segment, <clears throat> several of them here. Uh, coach is catching up with Brock and Heyman and Tracy. Actually, he's actually been interviewing RVD and RVD is mocking Ric Flair, <laughs> given the worst Ric Flair impression he could ever get. <laughs> Already such a bad actor, but it's I love it. It's not as strong. Love it. But anyway, then Brock came and Tracy while buying a coach, even though there's a raw guy, is like, I got to get this scoop. So he goes over there and gets the scoop. Yeah. And um, they're not going to listen to him. And But Tracy's like, you know, I, I tell you that Taker's a liar and a cheat. And she says, I'm here tonight to watch that scumbag get what he deserves inside Dang. Hell in a Cell. So scumbag now is what he is. So she slept with a scumbag. Uh, 20 days ago or 14 days ago, whatever it was. So. Later on, Tracy's going to enter Stephanie's office and Stephanie's like, look, I understand about relationships. I just watched my you know, ex-husband beat up a necrophiliac. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but that's <laughs> what she's getting around That's to. what she's getting to. It is right after that match. But anyway, um, she's like, I understand why you kept these secrets about, it's because you love him. And Tracy's like, Love him? No, I don't love him. I can't even stand the ground that bastard walks on. Well, even still, you have you have to care an awful lot about someone to feel that strongly. You know, Stephanie, I was content with just letting all of this go, just going on with my life. And then out of nowhere, I get this call from Paul Heyman. Now, I don't know how he knew about me and Mark, but he knew. So, what you're really trying to tell me is, and this is okay, okay, as far as I'm concerned, is that you did have a relationship with The Undertaker, but it was in the past. And all of this stuff about sleeping with The Undertaker 10 days ago and recently having an affair, I mean, that was all a lie. Paul Heyman put you up to telling all that as a lie, right? Okay, confidential between you and I. Yes, it was all a lie. Paul Heyman put me up to it, and once he started rolling with the story, I just went along with it. Tracy 
decides to come clean about the whole thing. She's like, okay, confidentially, just between me and you, and the cameraman, <laughs> and the millions watching on pay-per-view, and the millions who have watched since then, she decides to spill the beans confidentially, woman to woman here, and says that, you know, I did have a relationship with Mark, but it was a long time ago. As far as sleeping with him recently, that was made up by Heyman, and so I just went with it. I just want Mark back. I don't care about his pregnant wife or anything. I just want him back, and I'll do anything to make that happen. And Well, you know, Tracy doesn't watch wrestling. She doesn't understand <laughs> how this works with the cameraman that's, and the pay-per-view and all true. that. That's true. True, true. I stay corrected. So she doesn't understand it's a live broadcast, no. I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, well, anyway, just then as she's confessing all this stuff, Taker comes in the room and calls Tracy a lying Lord of the Month again. And then looks at Steph and says, thanks, Steph, I owe you one. And walks out and <laughs> Stephanie's like, agrees with Taker and tells Tracy to get lost. And they just undid the last two weeks of storyline. They injected this drama that Tracy was there and slept with him, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then literally just said, oh, it was all made up for no yep, reason. Just and, retconned it. And that's it. It's it's gone. It's never here from that's her again. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's gone. We're gonna see a little bit of resolution to this uh, the night after or the week after this pay per view, but like, not really. Like, this is it. It's just gone in the night. Like, how? St- why waste our time for two and a half weeks here? Because it added nothing. And exactly. You know what? I want to get mad about it, but actually I'm just like, well, I'm glad that they just yes. told us to forget about it so we can focus on the match. You know what? Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time complaining about them starting it in the first place because at least they realized it was so stupid we need to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of getting rid of it, Taker's trying to get rid of this pain because there's this doctor backstage going to give him a shot. He's like, you know it's not ethical for me to do this. And Taker's like, I don't care. Give it to me anyway or I'll do it myself. And so our baby face here is taking illegal shots yep. with his hand to get an advantage in the paper. In the yep. of it. So, <laughs> what a hero. And, yeah. And then even we'll get to the match in one second. But one more last thing is we get a shot of the quiche uh, at which WWF New York has now been rechristened WWE The World. The World. Yeah. So now they would probably call it The Universe, wouldn't they? They would. <laughs> they had a For sure they so. would have. Well, the quiche is there, and it's we got video of him being thrown into that cedar truck. At least it wasn't popcorn by Taker back in 2000. <laughs> oh, he, we wouldn't be talking to him. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. Well, he's exactly. He says that Helen sells no joke and predicts that Taker's going to win and says that, you know, after this match, you're definitely a changed man. So, anyway, I do, I guess, appreciate a little bit of continuity there. Yeah. At least yeah. bringing it up, you know, not letting it go by the it's wayside. It's another but... nice touch. I think. Yeah. So anyway, that's going to get us up to the match here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're they hyping it up as a big deal. And once again, we've got two world title matches happening on this pay-per-view. And once again, Undertaker gets to be in the main event. So, you know, it's, this shows you how important he is and how big of a match this is. And his place on the card, even over Triple H here, he gets to go mm-hmm. home last. Um, we get that, you know, classic long video recap every piece of this feud is recapped in this video we could have just watched that instead of these last four episodes of smackdown but whatever (laughs) (laughs) i enjoyed it um i was actually watching this tonight and uh my wife kate she came in and was watching a little bit of it with me and um she was just like 
she was she uh, she didn't watch too much of this stuff, but she I think this was the first time she really seen this Undertaker with the short hair, and she was like, oh, I kind of miss the old Undertaker, and I was like, yeah, me too. She's like. <laughs> But I'm kind of like weirdly attracted to this Undertaker. Tracy, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. But then it got man's man. <laughs> yeah, he just exudes that. Yeah. But then they showed the part where Brock is getting up on Stephanie, and she was just like, "Nope, no, I hate this. This is terrible. I don't. This is awful. We're not. You're not watching this when we have kids." Uh. <laughs> like, Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, you're not watching this. <laughs> well, uh, the announcers note that uh, as Brock Lesnar comes out first, that it is his prerogative to enter first after this package. Oddly enough, the champion coming out first into the Hell in a Cell, Cole and Taz on commentary are making sure we know that it's not just random that he has decided he wants to be in there first when Undertaker comes into the Hell in a Cell, which I think is a cool little touch. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's his first time in there. He's he's entering the cage and he admires the structure, you know, kind of looking at it and you know taking in the you know just grandiose structure that it is. And uh, Mike Kyoto holds up the belt and showing it off, and then. Taker comes out next. No motorcycle. I guess that cast is getting in the way. <laughs> it's probably tough to drive a motorcycle with a cast on. I can <laughs> sure imagine. It, sure it is. Um, he, uh, dude, Arkansas loves some big evil, man. Oh, they, yeah, man. They love this guy. So <laughs> they were weirdly attracted to him, too, just like Mike. <laughs> 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 well, he, uh, he gets in the ring, and he's not, not actually doing Brock's time, but he's over there jumping back and forth the same way Brock does, which is kind of funny. But in a weird, strange turn, again, he waits for the bell to ring before they go at it. So even though it's a personal feud, he's uh, that little little bit, I don't know, it's it's weird. He's, he's abiding by the rules here and waiting for the bell to ring before he goes back yeah, to Brock. Yeah, so. I mean, he's been a lot more reserved here with Brock Lesnar the past two months. He, he yeah. def- He's not treating him like anybody else, which is right. really helping to add to the mystique of Lesnar here and putting him over mm-hmm. with that. I think that's a conscious decision. By Taker here, as they kind of circle each other as the match begins, sort of like a feels kind of like a UFC fight. They're just mm-hmm. waiting to, to go after each other, and Brock Lesnar starts strikes first. He gets a takedown on Undertaker, grabs a waist lock, and they get back up. And Brock tries to hold on to it, but Taker kind of fights out of it a little bit. But Brock's able to hit this big power slam and. Sort of like The Undertaker we've seen do many times. Brock's going to go for a quick cover to go for a two count to try to try to win the match quickly. Yeah, he does. Must have been brushing up on his Undertaker match. That's right. Matches in history. So watching him on that VHS backstage with Heyman. So, yeah, he goes for a two count or goes for a three count. I guess he gets a two count. <laughs> no one goes for a two count. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> try to get two count here real quick. No. But, yeah, and then, um, like I said, good on him. And then uh, he starts shouldering the midsection of uh taker like only brock can i mean just he's so good at that like that move in the corner and then uh taker hits brock in the gut with a, the cast um and uh i think it's Heyman is like the cast the cast, the cast! no not this way <laughs> already selling the cast as a lethal weapon here dude we're gonna talk about this as we go on but paul Heyman was the mvp of this match in my opinion he he's like bear used to be incredible during this yeah. match he has turned up to this is maybe his best performance ever outside the ring possibly it's uh yeah i'd say this and then wrestlemania 30 when brock uh wins mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Brock Beatstaker, yeah, th- those are two of my favorite things of of his uh, ever. So awesome stuff, man, awesome stuff. Um, yeah, so he he uses that cast that you know they didn't want to be in this match, and uh, Brock drops out of the ring and he's going for the door. He's he's like he's just ticked. One cast shot. He's like I'm getting that's get me out it, of here. Dave. <laughs> yeah, he's done. <laughs> so uh, Taker's chasing him down now, and Heyman is just again just flapping his gums on the outside, just going at him and. Uh, back in the ring, Brock ham- was hammering Taker and hit- starts hitting down that cast and punching it and kicking it. And Cole reminds us that the hand was broken twice in the past two weeks. So I guess they did get the x-rays back the second week, and now yeah. he's had his, bro- his hand broken twice. And uh, Undertaker's screaming in the ring. As Taz mm-hmm. notes, like, we don't hear Undertaker scream yeah. like that. He is yelling every time Brock hits that cast. And, I mean, we kind of did when he was a heel. You know, he would sell a little bit like that a lot more, but definitely not in this role have we right. ever heard him just be in agony like that. So, it, you know, it really right. does feel different uh, what's going on here in this match. And they're they're putting over not only the pain that he's in, but they're like you said, they're putting over that cast as something big too, which is so great. Like, <laughs> he could be Bob Orton in there with this cast. It's right. kind of a joke, but Undertaker yeah. has turned it into this deadly weapon here. Mm-hmm. He has. It's strange, man. But uh, Taker's like he's screaming in agony, and uh, Brock's going for an arm bar, and uh, Taker gets out. And I think he got out because of that injection earlier. Dude, from that doctor. <laughs> it should not be allowed, man. <laughs> got the super soldier serum so, backstage. So, and then Taz says, "Oh man, Taz is like that cast got to weigh five pounds." <laughs> Taz has never seen a cast before. (laughs) Not even this cast is made on like paper. Uh, This is the the five pounds. Oh, it's not a five pound cast. I'm sorry, man. Stop it. Anyway. Well, anyway, it does. Maybe it is because Undertaker hits just one shot uh, to Brock with the cast, and that sends Brock to his knees. Man, he goes Mm -hmm. down. Heyman is just continuing to scream on the outside. Just this is the worst thing that he's ever seen is happening, and Taker is selling the pain every time he uses that cast. But Brock busts him open here as the blood tracker would take it up to five. That the cast has busted that cut from the other uh, SmackDown open, and Undertaker's going to start working that cut over. He's going to bang that cast into his head and. Really, it's the most we've seen Brock sell here ever. Yes, he, he, we've he's just been so dominant over the past few months, and you know he's had moments in some of these matches where he's down sure. and gets hit, but nothing like this where he's bleeding and just stumbling and can't do anything. And Taker's going to take it to a whole new level too. He's going to just throw Brock like like a lawn dart into almost I don't know if it's quite all four sides of the cell, but he makes it to at least three sides. Pushing his face against the mesh, uh, cheese grating it on the mesh on the outside, and even Michael Cole literally says cheese grater, uh, and so talking <laughs> about how it's ripping his flesh and stuff. But then Taker goes for a cover on the outside, and it. This is one thing that bugs me about Hell in the Cells. Depending on the narrative they want to tell, sometimes it's false count anywhere, sometimes it's pinned in the ring. So uh, yeah. this this time was apparently false count anywhere, which, spoiler alert, doesn't even matter at the end of the match. So, but. Um, the one thing Taz and Cole do say is like, you know, how brutal this is getting. He's like, they're like, maybe this isn't a good idea for the future of SmackDown because you got your two top stars here beating the crap out of each other, man. You know, it's which is really cool, uh, really cool. Uh, I guess take on on the outlook here of this yeah, match. Yeah, that's what Heyman was trying to say. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I mean, it's tough when you're in there with the emotional freight train. The Undertaker <laughs> exactly. steamrolling through there. I don't know why that never caught on to a t-shirt. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that emotional freight train is running over Brock, man. Like you said, they even say in commentary, no one's ever manhandled Brock like this. So. <laughs> the emotional freight train. <laughs> Let's make one. We'll make one. All right. Go Shall I get a picture? Go along with the ho train shirt. Yeah. Two characters you did not see on Thomas the Tank Engine. The emotional. But, uh, <laughs> you might see them on the Firefly Funhouse. Though. Maybe. Well, uh, Taker is loving. He's loving having this cast on his arm because he like holds it up to the crowd, gets a big pop from the crowd as he just lays in a shot on Lesnar. He pulls Lesnar out halfway across the apron and does that you know signature leg drop that he does on people. And then he goes for this really strange move. This Brock's halfway out across the apron. Undertaker goes up to the top rope, and I, I think he was gonna go for a leg drop off the top rope onto Lesnar. I think that's what was going through his head. And then he got up there and was like, "Whew! I think I might pull a Sid Vicious if I do something like that and like <laughs> break my leg landing down there." Yeah. And so instead. I don't even know how to describe this. He like just kind of flops in midair, sort of hits a knee drop on Lesnar, yeah. but it just looks like he just tumbles and switches plans halfway, <laughs> halfway off the top rope. I have no idea. Right, and you know it wasn't pretty, but it's impressive to see a guy take her size and a guy who doesn't need to do that yeah. in this match. You know, he didn't need to do that in this match. But he's going to go above and beyond for this Brock Lesnar guy in this match and to really put this guy over. And so, you know, seeing him do it was neat. And, um, yeah, it was sloppy, but it was just cool that he even went to those uh, reaches, I guess, to even try attempt that. So I liked it. Um, and then Heyman reaches his hand in the cell. and He's <laughs> trying to, like, re-grab it, Taker. It's really cartoonish. But then Taker just turns around and boots him right in the face. It's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I love it. And that's going to bust Paul Heyman open to take the blood tracker up to six times now, I believe. We've seen some blood. And, dude, it's a gusher on Heyman, too. Mm-hmm. Lesnar was bleeding a lot. Heyman's bleeding a lot here. And that's that's to another level when you see the manager, the guy outside of the Hell in a Cell, is, is injured in a Hell in a Cell match. That's taking it to another level of danger that we're seeing here putting over just the brutality of hell in a cell that paul Heyman outside the ring would get busted open and to take it to the the next level of awesomeness taker just grabs Heyman's tie and like a <laughs> like a looney tunes cartoon yes. just like banging Heyman into the cell trying to bust him open <laughs> even more and then lesnar tries yeah. to run and save Heyman, but undertaker moves and he runs into Heyman and sends Heyman down on his but again, it's just yes. it's the highlight of the match, in my opinion. That whole oh, sequence. it was fantastic! <laughs> it was fantastic. So much fun, like you said. Heyman's such a vital part of this match. He really is. He adds so much to it. He doesn't take away. He no, really adds no, to no, it. No, no. <clears throat> and um, well, after all that silliness and fun, uh, Taker rushes Brock and he ducks and pancakes Taker against the mesh, and then uh, back to the, and he hits Taker's back on the ring post. And hits it back on the cell, and then both of them kind of do a double down. They're kind of selling just the, the the fight they've been in, and then Heyman takes his belt off and passes it through the cell to Brock. So again, talking about adding to the match. Well, Taker wraps it around Taker's cast, 
and then gives the other end of it to Haman. And Haman's like holding it like a noose almost, like Haman's holding it on the outside. And so Taker's arm is up almost like in an, uh, a belt noose. And then Brock is just ripping at that cast, trying to take it off. And uh, is it Haman? Yeah, Haman goes, you're going to die now. <laughs> it's so intense, man. It's and he's bleeding as he's yes, oh I my know. god it's great and this spot right here is great too because brock gets a chair and starts smashing it over undertaker's hand repeatedly over and mm, over again yeah. and actually cuts the belt in half as he's smashing it into <laughs> into the hand which i don't think was supposed to happen but that's no. how hard he was hitting him with this chair that he rips this leather belt in half um and it just it looks great the way uh, i mean it's just fantastic storytelling and, and a great spot it really is man taker's screaming bloody murder as his you know his hand is is hurting here and brock's trying to take that cast off so he can't use it anymore and then it kind of takes a, a a little bit it's kind of drags for just a second where brock is trying to get that cast off and they really can't get it so taker just kind of lights up with some punches and flurry punches the crowd just really comes alive for this little comeback here and then brock starts smashing taker's hand in the cell again working that cast uh, back in the ring brock's kicking his hand over and over again and finally gets the cast off and then just shreds it like a piece of paper. So in half just rips it. It's, it's gone. It's of no use at this point anymore. So yeah, five pounds of cast. Five pounds of cast. <laughs> gone. So, well, that's obviously going to leave undertaker even more vulnerable. His hand broken in two places now and, and, and like no cast on it to protect him. He's lost his big weapon here as the story and they get back in the ring, and Brock continues to just pulverize Undertaker. He tries to wrap his arm around the ropes and try to break it for a third time, I guess, and gets Undertaker up on the top rope. And mm-hmm. then Brock gets up on the top rope, and he's like starts swinging from the, the rafters of the cell, <laughs> kicking at Undertaker, like something he probably thought of in his head that looked, didn't look as cool as he thought it was going to be, but you know, it's something. He's the vanilla gorilla, man. I mean, and then I thought he was going to go for a hurricane run on the top (laughs) rope. He gets in position for something like that. But maybe Taker talked him out of it or something. I don't know. But Taker gives him a low blow, pushes him off, and then Taker does something. Baby face. Gives him the low blow. (laughs) Well, come on. Come on. He's he's got a broken hand. He's got to do what he can. I'm okay with it. He, uh, Taker does like a... (laughs) almost like a crab walk elbow he does walks across the top rope with the help of the cell and then hits a diving elbow onto brock uh for just i don't know it looked really cool that that one did and he goes for a cover but it only gets two this time now have we seen a top rope elbow like that from taker before did we see it in that Japanese match we covered with Scott Hall as a tag partner? He's done it once or twice. Okay. Um, but nothing like mentioned... that where he walks yeah. across the rope, where, like the old school rope walk. Yeah, like it was really neat, man. It was, again, he did not need to do that at all. But he's pulling out all the stops here just to really put over the, <laughs> the I guess, the magnitude of what his character has to go to to put this, you know, this – just giant down this 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 behemoth brought lesser so he's I really doing don't... a lot of stuff we don't normally see he does not right. need to do in this match right well after that we get brock hits the apron stunner which is one of taker's old moves and then taker kind of comes to and boots him off the apron and brock hits his back against the cell and then Heyman just tells brock he goes brock we're losing we're losing and uh 
as he says that, Tager uh, does something else that we didn't think he would see, and he runs against the ropes and then delivers a suicide dive through the ropes to Brock Lesnar. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. He kind of... I don't know if he was supposed to miss or Brock was supposed to get out of the way. It's kind of right. 50-50. And the, even the announcers were like, don't quite know. Uh, are we supposed to be selling Undertaker's hurt or Brock's hurt? Right. <laughs> and they show the replay and he doesn't quite get all of it, basically. But uh, Undertaker's going to get up first and he's going to grab the steps. But Brock's going to get them from Undertaker and end up nailing Taker with the steps and take control here. And that's going to bust Undertaker open. And when I say bust open, I mean cut an artery in his head, hit a vein or something. Because he is just squirting, literally squirting Mm -hmm. blood out of his head. He turns around and immediately his entire face and and body are red. Mm -hmm. Like It's a gusher. One of the biggest blade jobs you will ever see. And maybe the biggest we had seen up to that point. Well, I think for without question up to this point, it's the worst one we've ever seen. I mean, it is it's horrifying. Uh, I mean, Ric Flair's was uh, was kind of bad back at Romania time, but that's because his uh, hair is white. Yeah, you know, it's so nothing it, on this. But this that has nothing to, to. That's probably the worst we've seen up until this. You know, this is this is ridiculous, man. Like, and I just remember being uncomfortable back then, seeing the blood like literally squirt out of his forehead and drop onto the ground. It is. It's bad. It's um, to the level of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And and just, again, this match is not a technical five-star masterpiece like the tag team title match earlier. But this match means just as much, if not more, because oh, these guys yeah. are giving it everything. It literally giving their blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, even though that match got like a standing ovation on this match right here deserves one too because mm. just the sheer brutality and what these guys are doing and what the Undertaker, what – for a shoot, what Mark Calloway is doing to get this guy over as the next big thing, as a beast, as a monster, as a slayer, you know? The storytelling is off the charts. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, they finally get back in the ring and take her again. Just, he looks like the Wolfpack sting. He's <laughs> just kind of, <laughs> just red. It's just all over. He's nasty. And they start booting each other. And then Brock gets the Arn Anderson spine buster that would make him proud. And, uh, covers him for a two count and then is not happy with that and covers him again like Ric Flair and gets another two count. <laughs> and uh, his his arms and legs are covered in Taker's blood as well because how oh, could it yeah. not be? Yeah. The ring is just becomes disgustingly stained with the blood. Yeah. To everything is, is stained with this blood. I can't... I don't know how he's still standing and yet still mm. wrestling. Like, <laughs> I mean... I cut my finger last summer and started gushing blood out of my finger, and it was all I could do to just, you know, not pass out from that. So right. I can't imagine purposely cutting my forehead right. to that level and then still being able to continue on with this physical wrestling match. It's it's insane, man. It's absolutely insane. I have no idea. Kudos to Undertaker for making it through this. So I have no idea how he did. So. Oh, they start trading punches in the middle of the ring, and Taker is punching with that broken hand again, and he smashes Brock's right hand, and, and we get a shot of Taker bent over, and the, his blood, like, drips on the camera. 
which is a neat visual, but it's nasty. It's, it's gross. Nasty. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine being that cameraman? Ooh, no. <laughs> Be like, ugh, dude. S- somehow, Undertaker, he's able to go up for old school, and he gets a real big reaction from the crowd. Yeah. But Brock tosses him down to the ring, and we do get a camera shot where it's just a close-up on Taker's face, and you just see the blood, like a, a faucet turned on, and blood is just coming out of his forehead it's it's insane uh brock gets taker up for the f5 but undertaker counters it into a choke slam and he gets another close two count with the crowd counting along to it and taker goes for his old stinger splash hits one goes for another but gets a big boot from brock and he's gonna go for uh, he's gonna go for something fun here yeah brock lester's gonna signal for the last ride he's gonna try to get undertaker in position for that and then taker you know backdrops him out of it then uh irish whip to the ring to the ring ropes uh, running ddt by taker gets a two count then he's gonna signal for the last ride to show the big boy how it's done uh taker's gonna barrel him into the corner though and, and start shouldering him and then he's gonna go up to start doing the 10 punches not a hurricane run but he's gonna do a 10 punch here he's gonna you know and we kind of you could see what's coming here we've seen this since oh, wrestlemania yeah. 17 um if you start Tim punching the Undertaker in the corner, he's going to hit you with a last ride out of the corner. And this is a really neat false finish spot we have here. Dude, Take- it, it's really well done, man. Yeah. The, the, and the crowd knows it because we've seen Undertaker finish a few big matches with that last mm-hmm. ride out of the corner. And so they're feeling it. They, they're feeling the title change. But Lesnar just barely, he's right at the ropes, and he just reaches out his hand to grab the ropes. He doesn't kick out. He doesn't get his yeah. shoulder up. He grabs the ropes to get out of it. And that's that's how you do a rope break with the heel yes. just barely being able to use the ropes to cheaply get out of the, two, the, the, the three count. Man, that's how it's supposed to be done. We've talked about that a lot on this show. Yeah, and like you say, he didn't kick his shoulder out nope. either. You know, he just reached out and got it. So like, sure ah, he's... dang it! Yeah, he had him. He had him. Exactly. Taker's the first guy that's had him. You know, at his limit like that. You know, I mean, literally nobody else has. So, um, really cool false finish there. Taker. At this point, I'm watching this. I just, I just want the match to stop. I want Taker to get mm. a doctor because <laughs> mm. I care about the, the real man. Yeah. So he needs a doctor. Well. <laughs> Taker's not done. He signals for the tombstone, you know, doing the throat slash, and everyone's excited in Arkansas, you know, sooee! But Brock's going to do a reverse by kind of flipping back out of it and getting Taker up for what looks like a tombstone, and then he's just going to show why he's Brock Lesnar, and I'm not. (laughs) He turns that tombstone into the F5. He did a lot of this stuff Back in the day, getting people in the F5 from really powerlifting positions. And it's really impressive to see. Hits that F5, and he shows why he's the beast, man. He he beasts all over. Undertaker retains the title here after nearly 30 minutes. 27 minutes yeah. and 18 seconds. Very long, very intense, brutal, like unlike anything we've ever seen before mm-hmm. here. What a freaking match. The announcers note that these two guys will never be the same after this match. And, you know, Brock storms out of the ring here. He's, like, not selling anything even uh, as he goes out of the cage and goes over to grab his title. But I was kind of okay with it because Mm -hmm. Brock is so different than anything we've ever seen before, and they're portraying him like that. So I'm almost okay with the fact that he 
went through all that and yet is still able to just, you know, almost like he didn't even break a sweat. You know, he's able to just, you know, cockily yeah. walk out of there and it just puts over how much stronger he is and how young and how like, oh my God, what is the, what is the limit for what this guy can do? Uh, as he, exactly. Yeah. He takes another legend to the limit and defeats another legend. Taz mentions that, you know, we've gone through all the legends he's defeated, but you know, Cole says that Taker did indeed make Brock famous tonight and he just wasn't the way that Taker wanted it to be, but Brock is now famous and Brock, uh, in a moment of, I don't know if this was supposed to happen or not, or if he just called an audible, but he was going to walk out and he puts the, the WWE title around his neck and climbs up the cell in about one and a half seconds. Yeah. I have no idea how he made it up there that fast. A stark contrast from Mick Foley back in 98. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Not as stark as you can get. Yeah. Well, he gets on top of that cell and he poses looking like, like he's Godzilla or King Kong all wrapped into one, just the king of the world. We see Taker laying in blood soaked, you know, just in the middle of the ring. And Brock is just holding up t- the, the, the title up there on top of the, uh, the cell. And it's just a great visual. You got the young champ up there defeating another legend. I just, I love that ending. I love the, the visual of it. I love the match. What a match. Like I said, all the Hell in the Cells are brutal, except for the one where he hung Boss Man. But um, <laughs> all the ones we talked about are, are, are brutal in their own right. But this one is the most physical, I think, and the most that Taker's been taken to the limit, you know, that he's been vulnerable in. You know? Oh, it is. It's something so different because up to this point, it felt like you had to do some crazy, insane spot in every Hell in a Cell match. Mm-hmm. From the first one, where Sean falls off the top of it and then we have mm-hmm. Mick going through it and then we have Rikishi going into the bale of hay and all that sort of stuff. We have hanging, lynching. Yeah. And then <laughs> And then uh, even back in May they had this the barbed wire two by four, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yeah. And so this one it changes what Hell in a Cell can be. Yes. And it focuses on they never leave the cage. Nope. Which is one of the rare times ever, even <laughs> yeah. since then, where that has happened. Only a handful yeah. of times do they stay in the cage the entire time. And it's just about the physicality of it. There's yes. no, Nobody's going through it. There's no crazy high spot. It's just brutal. And both guys get bloody. And this is, you know, a lot of people are get disappointed when Hell in a Cell doesn't have blood anymore. And I understand that. And that part of it is because of this match. Because it kind of... It set that expectation of like, ooh, it's got to be that sort of crazy blood where both guys, right. all three guys, even Heyman, <laughs> even a guy on the outside mm-hmm. gets bloody from it. So, yeah, dude, this is, it's, I still think the first Hell in a Cell is probably the best one, but mm-hmm. to me, it's it's right up there next to it, man, as far as a, an actual, oh, yeah. actual match. It's intense, it's brutal, it's a must-see, it's definitely... One of the best that we've ever seen uh, during this biker taker run, and oh, for sure, <laughs> I think it eliminates any of the doubt that anybody had about whether Undertaker wanted to put Brock over. Because right, he one hundred percent puts him over in a mm-hmm. huge, huge way. Absolutely, like it pulling out all those stops, those crazy moves, suicide dives, top ropes, crap, just to just to put this guy over as a beast, you know, and letting him, you know, just. Beat him. He just beats him clean in the middle of the ring, you know. Just it's awesome. It's great, you know. Forget what all the smarks were saying back then or the dirt sheets. I don't care, man. This this and this match 
probably more so than the Hogan match or the or the Rock match. Just just put Brock. This made him something else, man. Like it, it he wouldn't have he wouldn't have gotten there if he hadn't beaten Hogan. He hadn't beaten the Rock. But like this match really puts over just how big of a beast he can be. You know, it does. I think yeah, it's a huge win. We've done ninety two episodes and we've seen Undertaker lose very few times and so every every time someone beats him it matters it's it's matters in a huge way here and one of undertaker's signature matches so we are looking forward to hearing what you guys think about it that's what we thought about it but we always want to hear from you so you know where to reach out to us uh on twitter facebook and instagram we want to hear your opinions of it and we did get a few of you guys sharing that with us this week so let me pull that up here Perhaps Brock should have just hit, hit popcorn on bags underneath the ring and then got in there and f him with the popcorn, pinned him one, two, three from the beginning of the match. It would have done the trick. <laughs> Saved some blood. God, if only he'd have think, thought through that. Um, yeah. Our boys at the Downturn podcast, at Downturn The on Twitter, said probably the most underrated cell match ever, which I believe you said as well, Travis, yeah. at the beginning of the show. Uh, it kind of gets overlooked and forgotten about with all because it doesn't have those big spots. Anyway. Right. Shout out to them too. They were on Jr.'s first episode of Grill and Jr. They oh got, really? Yeah, they had a they had a, um they got a question in there, so ah, good for them. Almost as good as being on this one. <laughs> uh, at Paranormal X Four on Twitter said, "Great match, one of my favorites, but so much blood." Uh, I w- <laughs> I would say this was the third bloodiest match in WWE history and. I asked him, and he said, uh, Eddie versus JBL from Judgment Day 2004 is probably number one, which that one is, again, uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to watch. Mm -hmm. And then Cena and JBL from Judgment Day 05, where Cena gets a tremendous crimson mask on there. Uh, I would would throw in also, uh, people forget about this, but Vince versus Zach Gowan of Vengeance 03, Vince... Hard way, the chair cuts him <laughs> on the side of his head. And yeah, it's, it's also just like this. You see it just dripping like a faucet out of his head. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. But yeah, this is definitely one of the bloodiest encounters you're going to come across on WWE television. So, now this was just an average Sunday afternoon show in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Randy Turco was not at this show, but he said. It was one of the best Hell in a Cells ever. Really showcased the brutality of two men with a grudge being confined together, which was the original intent of the concept, as opposed to the insane spot fest it had evolved into. Which, absolutely right. Hit the Mm -hmm. the nail on the head there, Turco. Hit the nose on the head. Hit the nose on the nail (laughs) on the head. Hit the plane in the nose on the end's face or whatever. (laughs) Well, I remember showing this match to people like... uh, Back when I was in, when we were in college, I uh, had the had the DVD of it, and I was living in uh, this apartment. And uh, I don't think you were there, but there was some people over there, and I was I just had 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 it on in the background. And some people that were not even really wrestling fans, they like stopped and like had to watch this match because of the story mm, and the, yeah. and the blood. It like it, it it you know it grossed them out, but it like they had to see what was going on. It was uh, you know it. Uh, captured their imagination as yes. they were watching it and it's that kind of match but i've always remembered that like that match sucked them in to watching wrestling there for for at least a moment yeah well it definitely has that uh capability because of just the spectacle of it all so the tableau <laughs> <you will. laughs> oh i will <laughs> 
Well, uh, I'd like to send a shout out to our our girl Lou Jane. Okay. Uh, I, I can't. I'll butcher her last name, but she, you know, Taker was overseas at UK, and um, she got to meet him. And so, Lou Jane, if you're listening, we want to hear. If you don't mind, give us some specifics. What's you know? How was your interaction with him? You know, what was like? She, I saw some pictures on her Twitter, I think, and Facebook, where she got to to meet him and over at that uh, inside the ropes, I think it was. I think that was the thing where he was on there and was supposed to do a Q&A, but then Mick Foley took his place or whatever because WWE stepped in. But anyway, we saw pictures with her. So if you uh, want to let us know how your interaction was with him, we'd like to know. So, uh, yeah, really cool that so you know our fans get to meet him face-to-face because uh, that's a very rare thing. So It is. And uh, one of our other fans, Jeremy Bagley, is going to be doing it soon. And I know he's going to give us first-hand report of it as well uh yeah. allegedly in his uh, under, uh <laughs> talking taker t-shirt we can't wait to see it my man the uh, emotional freight train fanny pack coming <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll see it we'll we see. Some cool stuff though we do have cool stuff well like we said we are on twitter facebook and instagram at talking taker we want to connect with you guys as we keep rolling 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 onto the last ride we got a fun one coming next week as this is undertaker's going to go on paternity leave here i guess for a little while and Take some time off TV before returning at Royal Rumble 2003. We're going to do a little time jump here with no pay-per-view matches for a couple months and come back with one of our patented watch-alongs for that Rumble as he makes a big return and continues this rivalry with Brock Lesnar in a, in a different way. Uh, so that'll be a fun one to talk about next week. Not too much build-up to it, so uh, we'll get right into that watch-along next week. We'll queue it up, and you can join us as we provide our alternate commentary on the match. We always enjoy doing that. And kick off the final year of Undertaker as the Biker Taker. Final few matches uh, before he returns to the Dead Man. It's, it's so short-lived, man. I, I want to keep it going. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, well, it, yeah, it's going to be neat to, to see how it, you know, this uh, era fizzles out. Not fizzles out, but kind of gets put to rest, and now the new uh, Dead Man you know, resurges, comes back to life, I guess you could say. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the Royal Rumble next week. Uh, haven't seen that match in a long time, so it's going to be fun. We'll watch along there. It's fun to revisit it and talk about all the randos in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did have a poll on our Twitter that I wanted to mention. Last week we talked about the debut of the Dead Man Walking theme with the lyrics. And uh, I know you and I not the biggest fans of that song uh, with the lyrics added on there so we put a poll out on Twitter asking you guys if you preferred it with lyrics or without lyrics you know the you've done it now gonna made a big mistake well maybe we made a big mistake man because 60% of our fans say they prefer it with lyrics over the 40% instrumental well, I demand a recount. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. Well, maybe well, we're wrong. We're in the minority. You know, we also were as far as we didn't really care for this Biker Taker era either. And a lot of people uh, couldn't wait for us to get to this era. So. Yeah. yeah, we have. We sure have. So maybe I'll come around these lyrics. I doubt it, but <laughs> maybe well, we will. I think it's because we need more Twitter followers. So we're, we're hovering right around 1,800 right now so i want to throw this challenge down creatures of the night if we can get up to 2000 by our 100th episode so that's you know about eight weeks away now so that's eight weeks for us to get 200 twitter followers get up to 2000 i think you and i travis will throw out a bonus show after episode 100 if we can get up to 2000 followers 
uh, maybe, speaking of Royal Rumble, we can maybe go back and revisit one of those Royal Rumbles we didn't hit at the beginning of the show when we weren't covering them yet. Maybe the 91, 92, or 93 Rumble. We can do a quick watch along for one of those if we can get our Twitter numbers up to over 2,000. Sounds good to me, man. I'm up for it. Let's we'll see what we it. can do. All right. Let's do it to it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you were there at Arkansas this night, what happened? Because WWE never came back. I thought it was a great show. <laughs> I don't know why they never came back. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, if you were there, let us know. Uh, yeah, let us know how you feel about this, seeing the blood. Did you get the blood on you? Was it everywhere? I hope it wasn't on you. But anyway, um, yeah, anyway, I'm rambling on here, but we're going to take the rambling rabbit and put him out of his misery and uh, say, take her easy. Candy for Olympic Carol? Nothing for you. It's true. It's true. Trick or treat, brother. Take a hike. Halloween is Jericho. Dead man walking. Yeah, you dig it, sucker. You're the sucker. WWE No Mercy. Live Sunday, October 20th on pay-per-view. Looks like the trick's on you.